Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. Hope you all had a great week, and I hope that I can help finish that week off the right way by giving you a great show. We're going to start off this episode by talking about some news that we had talked about on Tuesday revolving around the Giants training camp, or the Giants camp, and pretty much their issues that they had revolving around a brawl that happened during practice that left Daniel Jones at the bottom of the pile. Now, if you remember or recall correctly, the Giants were punished for this. The team, not not like by the NFL, but by Joe Judge, the head coach. And he had the team do two, well, 100-yard sprints when they didn't do it well enough to his liking and started walking, that he made them do it again. And then after that, he had them line up on the foul line and do push-ups as well. Now, as I said on Tuesday, I think this is a good look for Joe Judge. You know, you got to hold players accountable for their actions and everything. Uh, but there are there are some things that can go wrong with this. Now, the things that happened that proceeded with this, there are now three less Giants players on that team. Three of their players had retired in the following days, one being offensive lineman Joe Looney, who had just signed with the Giants like a couple days prior. Linebacker Todd Davis, also retired. And two other Giants actually hung up their cleats as well. I'm not... I'm pretty sure I said three, my bad. It was four players that have uh, retired in the past three days preceding, or four days after this all occurred. Now, some could say, okay, maybe Joe Judge was too hard on his players at the same time. You, you could definitely say, you know what, they they might not have been cut out to play football anymore. It, clearly, there had been other things that had been weighing on them. I don't think that Joe Judge punishing the players was the thing that's that just flipped a switch in their head saying, I can't do this. No, I'm done. Just because this one instance. No, Joe Looney, Todd Davis, uh, Zach Fulton, they... They all had had like probably instances over the years where they just said, you know what, it's getting hard to be in the sport now. They're getting sick and tired of doing the work, the same work every day, and they just want to pursue new things. Nothing wrong with that, and I would say best of luck to them on their future endeavors. Uh, also, it helps the Giants because you if. You, Players don't want to be there, which if you're retiring, you don't want to be there anymore. You're not mentally there. You might be physically there, you might, but you're not mentally there. And this is a good thing for the Giants. Some may say Joe Judge is being too rough, being too strict. 
No, not at all. This definitely will help the team. It's not like these players are considerably young players either. Joe Looney is 30 years old. Uh, Todd Davis is 29. I'm blanking on how old Zach Fulton is, but if I recall correctly, he was drafted in 2014. So it's putting him at around the 29. If, if he came in at the age of 24, he would have probably, or 23, 24, he'd probably be either nearing the age of 29 or he might be older. For all we know, he could be 28. Like I said, I'm not sure about his age. Uh, either way, for those who may be concerned about Joe Judge, I would say you got to turn this into a positive because it is a total positive. The Giants now have the opportunity to go out and sign three new guys, probably at a cheaper price too than, say, Joe Looney, and get guys in the building that actually want to be there and want to play for the Giants. You know, and I'd say the only problem that this it, this showed is that the fact that there were three players on the team that didn't want to play. Are there more that are just waiting, like teetering? I don't know. But I think this is a very good thing for the Giants. Uh, and for if I'm Joe Judge, I'm not worrying about my position. I think that the that Giants ownership will look at this as a positive, as someone who is very strong and a leader of this team and you Joe Judge as that sort of person. He He's a part of the Bill Belichick coaching tree, but he is definitely not Bill Belichick and that's something that's refreshing to see out of that coaching tree. There's not too many people out of that coaching tree that have come out and and just been their own coach. Joe Judge is one. Brian Flores looks like he's being his own. But if we all we all remember Matt Patricia, who took a bad Lions team and made the a bad and dysfunctional Lions team and made them even worse and more dysfunctional and pretty much <laughs> not not drove a their franchise quarterback out the door, but definitely didn't help the situation. I mean, I could definitely say that Matthew Stafford, there's no way that Matthew Stafford wanted to be continuing with the Lions, especially after the Matt Patricia era. Excuse me. Um, this is a good thing for the... Giants as a whole, and I, I'm very impressed by Joe Judge to be able to control that team in that sort of manner. But on to probably the biggest news of the day. Football is officially back. As last night, the Dallas Cowboys took on the Pittsburgh Steelers in the Hall of Fame game. And I know it's not like a real game. It's like the players on the fringe of the roster that are playing and like a couple of rookies that 
are possibly or going to be starters that played a little bit of the snaps, but it's something. We have not had football in so many months since last February, the last or since this past February is the last time we saw anything football. And it is amazing to finally have it back. Means great things are around the corner. Just think next week, the preseason officially, officially starts. And we get those three preseason games. Yes, it's cut down to three games this year because the lengthening of the schedule to 17 regular season games. But you know what? Three preseason games, and then we are on to the football season. And I've been telling you guys how I'm going to be releasing my predictions for every team that will come next week on next week's Tuesday and Friday episodes. I will be going through the NFC North or not the NFC North, the entire AFC and then on Tuesday and then the NFC on Friday and just going to kind of go through a small dive into each conference and each division to kind of give my opinion on how each team will finish the year. And this isn't going to, I'm not going to be giving Super Bowl predictions. Um, I might give some dark horses, but either way, it's not going to be something that you're going to say, oh, well, my team's, or don't, don't take my stuff with a grain of salt but also don't take it incredibly serious. These are just predictions. Last year, I did extremely well with my predictions, as I have mentioned before, I did have the best week-to-week NFL game prediction ranking in the nation at 182-73-1 record. And then prior to the season, with the preseason and like the all, all the predictions from prior to the season starting, I did very well with those as well. So I'm not going to say I'm a fool with this, but also don't instantly think that your team's going to go and win it all. Now, with that being said, I did correctly predict that it would be Buccaneers and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, partially because the Tom Brady and the effect that he has on a team, and then the Chiefs, Mahomes, they had just came off winning the Super Bowl, and they kept all their starters. And spoiler alert, as of right now, I still need to look over a couple things. I wouldn't be shocked if it was another Buccaneers Chiefs Super Bowl. The Chiefs kind of reamped their offense, got players in there that are going to be instant starters or players that are very good depth players. And then the Buccaneers, I mean, the only team in the Super Bowl era to return all their starters. So it, it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm still looking over a couple things on that, but either way, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Steelers-Cowboys game yesterday. Uh, you know, it's the Hall of Fame game. It's not anything that P- 
people should like I don't think anyone should be going and looking at that game and saying that the Giants or that the Cowboys are their season's over with and that they're gonna suck. And I don't think anyone should go and look at the Steelers and say the Steelers are gonna be this powerhouse team. I mean it, it was a good little brief showing of some players who look to be the future in of these teams and hopeful stars of the teams. But at the same time, it does show a couple flaws a bit with the Steelers, for instance. My biggest issue with the Steelers, and this is why I said in previous episodes, like from two, three months back, that the Steelers are no longer in the Super Bowl window, and it's because their offensive line is, quite frankly, atrocious. They have a great defense, and of course defense wins championships. But if you're going to have a defense that's going to win you a or championship, you're going to need an offensive line that can push the, de- the defensive line to open up holes for your running back. And Najee Harris was abysmal last night. Seven carries, 22 yards, averaging only 3.1 yard yards per carry. Uh, Samuels only averaging 1.8. There wasn't a single player on their team who averaged four yards per carry. Granted, you are in there with backups and everything, but at the same time, there have been certain running backs who just looked phenomenal in their first running at in a game. For instance, Cowboys, uh, I'm blanking on the guy, is how to pronounce, or what the guy's first name is, but Doodle from the Cowboys averaged 5.4 yards. Eight rushes, 43 yards. And that's against a better defense with a lot better, with a lot more depth on the defensive line than the Cowboys. Like, based on what we saw from the Cowboys last year, their defensive line, Steelers should have been running all over them or should have been able to punch holes through that defensive line very easily. Uh, With that being said, the Cowboys, you know, they they may have lost, but it didn't look terrible. Uh, Yeah, they only scored three points. But the worst part about yesterday's game, the very worst part, was the kicking. The kickers for... The kicker for the Dallas Cowboys, Brent Nicewinder, if I'm saying that correct, I believe I am, had a kick blocked, and then the kick to end the second quarter has to be one of the worst kicks in pro football history when i say it went way right i mean for those who have played madden before madden the football game if you've ever taken your kicker and pushed the arrow way to the right and then just ended up kicking it on accident somehow that is essentially what he did i can genuinely say that High school kickers could have done better. Uh, 
I mean, they, they wouldn't have been able to kick it as far, probably, but at the same time, like, I think that they would get closer to hitting the goalpost, at least, than Brett Nyswander did yesterday. Uh, it it was not good. If you haven't seen the video, please search it up. Have yourself a laugh. Uh, there, there were people who messaged me after that game and then said, hey, looks like that kicker's not going to be on the team that long. And, you know, that's definitely a possibility. It's definitely a possibility for him to be gone, especially since it is the preseason. Most teams carry extra kickers and punters just to try and try out to see if they can get someone for a little cheaper. Uh, unless you have like one of the big name kickers like Justin Tucker, you're not gonna you're not gonna try and upgrade at the position because quite frankly, Justin Tucker is the best kicker in the NFL and as of right now is on the rate to go down as the best kicker in NFL history. So just using him as an example, I don't think the Ravens are going to be carrying an extra kicker or punter other than literally being the equivalent to a camp arm for the kicker. A camp leg, I guess you could say. Um, it, it wouldn't make sense. And, you know, it, it's tough. I feel bad for him because even if he does make a team, even if he does and this Brett Nice Wander ends up making a team, he is going to have that living with him probably for the rest of his life. Because I saw on, I think it was CBS Sports, their top plays from every Hall of Fame game over the past like 21 years or 22 years. And I feel like that was probably the top play from yesterday. Even though it was a, more of a blunder, it was probably the top play. And <laughs> I know that as someone who played just high school football, but I know that there's certain people who really stick and remember certain plays in their head and they relive them over and over again. Now, yes, you could say that NFL players should be uh, wired to forget those things, but certain players definitely aren't. The Falcons could not get over blowing leads, and it's stuck in their head. Or it stays in their head. There's the Seattle Seahawks, who uh, had the interception on the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor. They, they never let go of the fact that they should have ran the ball. And, you know, that that might be in the back of his head now for the rest of his life because I can guarantee his teammates mess with him about it. I can guarantee that there's people he knows that mess with him about it. Now, a lot of you might be saying, you know, why are you spending so much time on a kicker who probably is not going to make the Cowboys roster. And it's because if he doesn't, he still has a chance like you, to make someone else's roster. I mean, the Falcons kicker, Young Ho Koo, or Young Way Koo, 
was went from the who had been originally a part of the LA Chargers team in 2017 when he came out to uh, come out came out of the NCAA and after week four uh, the Chargers were 0-4 and he was released and he had only made like three of six field goal attempts and you know he, he was not performing well he was not then he bounced around if I recall correctly from practice squad to practice squad I think he was at one point with the Patriots uh, and then I think he might have been even back with the Chargers on the practice squad until he ended up with the Atlanta Falcons in 2019 so two years later and he only played in eight games he performed well enough to surpass the Falcons like probably the most historically uh, like liked kicker in the franchise history and Matt Bryant and then in 2020 goes out plays in 15 games and leads the NFL in points made or field goals made and was a pro bowler should have been an all pro if we're being honest he should have been all pro he was you could say Justin Tucker was the best kicker in the NFL that's fine young way Koo was definitely if not the best last year was the second best and anyone who wants to argue with me on that go ahead argue your point send it in leave a review leave a five-star review with your argument on it and i will literally read it during the podcast i'm totally fine with that um but young way Koo is a phenomenal kicker and for all we know this this could be the way that this Cowboys kicker's career goes. Now, is it likely? Not really, no. Not everyone's going to have a career like that where you start off terrible and then, or bad, and then it just turns around and you're uh, leading the NFL in points scored and a Pro Bowl kicker, uh, potentially all pro kicker at one point, because I think that Young Way Koo does have that possibility to be that one day. But it it's something that the Cowboys' new kicker need, needs to uh, try and work through, and hopefully he still has a job come week one of the preseason, and he's able to perform at a high level and keep his job. That being said, we are going to go to a break. Uh, when we return, we will be talking about Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and why fans should be both excited and kind of scared when we return after this. We are back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. And from one Josh to another, I would just like to say congratulations to Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills star quarterback, 2018 seventh overall pick in the first round of that draft has got a new contract marking him at 
$258 million uh, in the next six years and putting him as the second highest paid quarterback in the National Football League. The quarterback pay ranking, I guess you could say, now goes Patrick Mahomes at $45 million, Josh Allen at $43 million, Prescott, Dak Prescott at $40 million, Deshaun Watson at $39 million, Russell Wilson at $35 million, Jared Goff, RIP to the, to the, <laughs> the sorry, you know, cap of the Detroit Lions, is tied with Aaron Rodgers at $33.5 million. They're tied at sixth. Then Kirk Cousins at $32 million. Uh, Carson Wentz at $30 million. And Matt Ryan also at $30 million. So congratulations to Josh Allen. Uh, it's big. It definitely is setting the market for his uh, co-draftees, I guess you could say, at the quarterback position, such as uh, Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson, and the others. But those are the two big ones as of right now. Um and you know that it's generational wealth right there. It's, it's amazing to see happen. Uh, Josh Allen was easily one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Arguably one of the most important players to a single team in the NFL. The only people who I would say were more important to their team's success were really, and this is going to sound weird, but Deshaun Watson, even though they didn't win a lot, I'd say if Deshaun Watson wasn't on that team, they would probably would have lost every game. And uh, other than him, I can't really think of another quarterback that was as vital to their team's success. Yes, you could say Patrick Mahomes was vital, but I mean, you can put other players in that position. I mean, I'm blanking on the quarterback's name right now, but uh, I'm blanking on his name. Wow, this is, I'm sorry about this, but Patrick Mahomes left the playoff game against the Browns and another quarterback came in and won the game for them, helped secure the win for the, for the Chiefs. So there are other quarterbacks that could walk in and perform at a not as high of a level as Mahomes, but a high enough level to help the team win. Now, with that being said, uh, Josh Allen, it's great, good for him. And I think it's a smart thing by the Bills to do because this kind of sets the market and Lamar Jackson will eventually surpass Josh Allen and so will Baker Mayfield most likely. Now, the thing where it's scary is Josh Allen is a quarterback that plays hard, physical football. He's someone who could very easily get injured. And I'm not going to try to like 
putting any bad juju on him. I hope that he never gets injured because I love watching him. I actually had him as one of the best quarterbacks in that draft. I had it was actually, and this make me look a little bad. I had him as the number one quarterback in that draft, followed by Josh Rosen. Because I felt like, and I know some people are like, oh my god, you liked Josh Rosen coming out of the draft. And yes, I did. I know that there are other people who really like Josh Rosen as potentially a better version of Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan had just came off of a pretty solid season the year before and the year prior to the previous through that previous season was the MVP of the NFL. So yes, I did have Josh Rosen higher on my list and went Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield. Um, I'm trying to think. I think I had Lamar following, and then I think I had Sam Darnold as the last guy. As a matter of fact, I can confirm. I know I had Sam Darnold as the last guy because when everyone was saying, I, I did not think that Lamar Jackson would perform at, as high of a level, I did view him as a quarterback. I did not view him as a, you know, some sort of wide receiver, running back weapon. Although he is their most vital weapon on their team, it's it's still at the quarterback position. Uh, because while certain people were saying, you know, Lamar Jackson would be a great wide receiver, like why would you waste that speed? So like it's not a waste. There are tons of teams that would love to have a very fast quarterback, and Lamar Jackson pretty much became the new new era Michael Vick, essentially. You know, I would say that he's probably faster and he's definitely smarter with his body than Michael Vick was. Michael Vick would be willing to take a hit, but. Michael Vick, I think, would compare very well with his mentality of being able to take a hit or trying to or just going to going out and not worrying about getting hit as Josh Allen is. And Josh Allen has lowered his shoulders or shoulder into defenders, which as a fan of the sport, I love to see a quarterback go out and just lay someone out. It's awesome. But also from the guy that looks at, hey, this is going to affect your health. This is going to affect your team. Maybe you might want to slide or go out of bounds. I would say err on that side. Don't, like, the possibility for Josh Allen to get injured is high with his style of play. Now, with him getting some more weapons and not having to take off and lower his shoulder to get a first down. I think that it it it'll mem- er, lower the possibility of him getting injured. But at the same time, that is how he plays. And he's probably going to be one of those players that will forever do that, just like how RG3. RG3 was never gonna, will never stop. Uh, running as a quarterback. You know, he will always look to run if he has the opportunity, and when he does look to run, he doesn't look to go down. He doesn't know how to slide. 
Now, Josh Allen does, and Josh Allen should really take advantage of that. Slide. Don't get yourself hurt. Live to see the following play. Live to see next week's game. Because now, especially now, if Josh Allen, if he gets injured, Bills Mafia, while they'll still stand behind Josh Allen and love him, will also say, man, he needs to learn. He needs to be smarter next year. Uh, We're in our prime. We have Stephon Diggs. We have this great team around us that can help us get to a Super Bowl. And Josh Allen needs to play smarter. And if he does get injured this year, what's what's going to happen? Is he going to learn from that mistake of not being cautious with his body? Added to this, Another thing that the Buffalo Bills need to be afraid of slightly is the possibility of the Bills moving soon. There's a report that Austin, Texas emerges as a possible relocation spot for the Bills if the Bills' new Orchard Park Stadium, or with the new Orchard Park Stadium negotiations. So, I hope to God, to God, and I don't care what God you support, whatever God you support, if you're a Bills fan, just you have to pray that they stay in Buffalo. I think that Bills Mafia will not be the same anywhere else. It won't be. And sure, they... I don't know how the Bills fans travel. May they travel well, but I just think it's so iconic to look at how if you if you search up Bills pregame or P- Bills uh, tailgating, it is so amazing. It, it's on my bucket list. I want to eventually be either thrown in or thrown onto a flaming table at a Bills game or jump through a table at a Bills game, or at while tailgating at a Bills game. It is just an iconic tailgating thing for the Bills. And, you know, certain people might say, oh, that's nuts. Like, uh, the Bills fans are nuts. And, yeah, maybe they are nuts. But you know what? Bills fans are some of the most loving fans towards their team. They are, like, there's those certain teams that just, no matter what happens, will always love their team. The Packers, the Bears, the Steelers, the Raiders, the dark hole for the Raiders, the 49ers. Yes, the 49ers won't always be packing the stadiums. The Browns, another team that is always so passionate. The Browns have sucked for years, and even when they sucked you would still see a lot of fans in the stands. It's not they, they, It's not the Los Angeles Rams fans where in, I think it was 2017, when the Falcons went and played the Rams in the Coliseum and there was more Falcons fans in the, in the stadium than Rams fans. And... 
I'm not going to try and knock the Falcons fans at all because I am one, but we do not travel well. We do not at all. Now, maybe we had some bandwagon fans who were still on the wagon from them going to the Super Bowl and being so good on the Kyle Shanahan offense, and they were just wanting to go and support the Falcons that way, and I get it. But either way, the Falcons don't travel well. Bills fans, I feel like they probably travel well. Chiefs fans, I feel like travel very well, especially right now with Patrick Mahomes being as good as he is. And to see it, it, imagine it being the Austin Bills. I mean, it just doesn't have a good ring to it. The Buffalo, it's not as good as the Buffalo Bills. It's just so iconic of a name. Just like how if the Packers moved to, let's say, New Mexico, which wouldn't happen, but the New Mexico Packers. No, it it doesn't sound right. If or like the Utah Packers, like it, it's not the same thing as the Green Bay Packers or the Chicago Bears. The Bears would never move. Like it, it just doesn't sound right. And if you're a Bills fan, or if you're a fan of the Bills staying in Buffalo, y'all need to start like blowing up the Buffalo Bills fan pages and get the word out that this stuff needs to, like the the negotiations need to, uh, start going more positive so that way the Bills stay in Buffalo because the Austin Bills like it just doesn't sound good. It doesn't sound right. And why does Texas always need another team? Why is Texas getting another team in that instance? Like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, California has a lot of teams. And prior to the Raiders moving, yeah, they they had a good amount of teams. Texas does not need another football team. They have the Dallas Cowboys. America's team. They have the Houston Texans who at the moment are a bit of a dumpster fire, but they will rise from their ashes. They do not need another team. If the Bills decide to move out of Buffalo, that's fine. But I would highly suggest to ownership that you stay in the Northeast or better yet, just stay in Buffalo. Uh, but stay in the Northeast because that is where all the Buffalo Bills fans are. And it will take many, many years to build or to build a fan base in Austin, Texas. Uh, especially if the Cowboys end up being good and the Texans rise from their ashes. Because even if the Bills are good, I mean, look at the Los Angeles Rams. They are they they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, and there were not really any fans in LA that actually enjoyed the game. I feel like the Rams have lost money by moving to 
LA. St. Louis, they actually had fans. Yes, they were not like diehard fans that were going to go to the games when they when the Rams sucked. But they at least had a better fan base than what the LA Rams have now. Now, like I said, you aren't going to have a fan base in Austin. Don't try and build a team or bring your team to Austin because it's not going to work. It's not going to pay off in the long run. Uh, but yeah, with, with that being said, we are going to go to a commercial break. When we return, we will be talking about the NFL Hall of Fame inductees that will be induct- inducted into Canton, Ohio tonight when we return after this. Welcome back. This is the Football News and Knowledge Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Bell. Tonight, there are eight former members of the NFL that life will be forever cemented in NFL lore by being inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Those eight members being former quarterback Peyton Manning, who played with the Colts and the Broncos, former wide receiver Calvin Johnson, who played with the Detroit Lions, former safety Charles Woodson, who played with the Raiders and the Packers, and then back with the Raiders again, former safety again John Lynch, who played with the Buccaneers and Broncos, former offensive guard Alan Fanica, who played with the Steelers, the Jets, and the Cardinals, and then the former wide receiver who finally is getting into the NFL Hall of Fame, who many people probably forgot wasn't in the Hall of Fame, is finally in the Hall of Fame, Drew Pearson, wide receiver from the Dallas Cowboys. Now, coaches that were, or a coach was inducted as well, former head coach Tom Flores, He coached the Raiders and the Seahawks. And then one contributor, Bill Nunn, who was a scout for the Steelers. Now, many people probably don't know who Bill Nunn is, but if you're a Steelers fan, you can greatly thank Bill Nunn for his participation in building the steel curtain defense that the Steelers had in the 70s and 80s. Bill Nunn was a key contributor, and based off of his 1974 draft, uh, or help in the 1974 draft, you could say that he was instantly a Hall of Famer right then and there. Uh, These other players, for the most part, most people know who they are. Payne Manning, if if you haven't been living under the ro- a rock under the past 20 years of the NFL, you know what he has done. Calvin Johnson, Megatron, we know what he's done. May compare him to Barry Sanders of his position, mainly because just like Barry Sanders, the Detroit Lions kind of wasted Calvin Johnson's career. Charles Woodson who was drafted by the Raiders, 
looked promising, kind of had flared out. Of, not didn't really flare out of the league, but flared out of the Raiders and kind of burned a lot of bridges and then went to the Packers, became a Super Bowl champion on the 2010 team, and then eventually returned to the Raiders. Safety John Lynch, one of the hardest-hitting safeties in the NFL when I was growing up. Alan Fanica, who very... If, if anyone remembers... Uh, NFL Blitz, the game uh, from when you were younger, if you remember playing NFL 2K5, Fanica was one of the best offensive linemen that you would want in that both of those games. Just tremendous offensive linemen. Drew Pearson, key contributor to the Cowboys' success in the early years. Tom Flores helped the Raiders go to a couple Super Bowls, and like I said, Bill Nunn, the Steelers scout, who helped build what the Steelers are now even today. I feel like a lot of the, or the Steelers kind of base, or base their drafts how those 70s and 80s teams were built, and they were built behind great defenses and drafting tremendous players and building around them, and that's what the Steelers have done in the recent years. Congratulations to those eight members, future members of the Hall of Fame. They'll be inducted tonight. Uh, like I said, congrats to them on a tremendous career. Bill Nunn, who passed away in 2014. May he rest in peace. His NFL legacy will be forever a part of NFL lore and a bust of his, or his bust will forever be in Canton, Ohio on display for everyone who visits to see. Now, with congratulations to all these former players former coach, former scout, I would just like to say one thing for next year's Hall of Fame voting. If we can please, please, God, get former quarterback, Giants quarterback. And remember, I'm not a Giants fan. But I just think it's a bit of an injustice towards him. If we could get former Giants quarterback, Phil Simms, into the Hall of Fame, that would be tremendous. Phil Simms, who is a former All-Pro quarterback for the New York Giants, was definitely one of the best quarterbacks of his era, won two Super Bowls, and he is not in the Hall of Fame. Meanwhile, there are literally players that we are looking at such as, and, and I'm not trying to knock any potential future Hall of Famers, but there's certain people who say Eli Manning should be eventually a Hall of Famer, excuse me, um, eventually be a Hall of Famer. Well, if he's in the Hall of Fame, you got to put Phil Simms in. If you're going to put Philip Rivers in, you got to put Phil Simms in. 
Phil Simms played in the NFL for 15 years, has contributed to the NFL uh, via the CBS network during the, the telecast. Let's stop doing him injustice. Let's get Phil Simms into the NFL Hall of Fame. And if I ever get the opportunity, and I know this will probably never get to Phil Simms, but if I ever have the opportunity to vote on who gets into the Hall of Fame, Phil Simms, you will be the first person that I put on that list. I would love to see him in there. I feel like it's been kind of a disgrace not to put him in there. A guy who has, like I said, two Super Bowl wins. I mean, we're, we're looking at quarterbacks who have won one Super Bowl and haven't done as much as Phil Simms has done. And we're putting them above or putting them above Phil Simms. Falcons fans, for instance, and I love Matt Ryan, but certain Falcons fans are saying, oh, Matt Ryan should eventually make it into the Hall of Fame. If Matt Ryan's making it into the Hall of Fame, then Phil Simms better be making it into the Hall of Fame. But with that being said, we are going to end the episode on that note. Um, like I said, congrats again to those who are inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. Uh, we will return on Tuesday, and when we return on Tuesday, we will probably be talking more about, like I said, the predictions into the NFL football season for the AFC side. And until then, I hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe. Uh, if you drink, don't drive. Uh, have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye.